This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. Hello, this is Sarah here tonight, and it's Friday. I've done my first full week back at school since our road trip, and I'm just still dreaming about being back on the road, living in our car, driving down dirt roads, pulling our stove out of our car, and the road trip life. It was great, but... um. So as I already said, I'm back at school, in full swing of the school year here almost, and tonight on our interview, I am interviewing surprise guest, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the other half of Hiking Through Life. (laughs) Andy has some exciting news to share with the world. Um, Andy's going to be going on a through hike of the Superior Hiking Trail here in about a week. And I am not going because, to be honest, well, I have to go back to school. But I don't have a um, drive or desire to want a through hike. I love it when we go out for five days at a time. I love that. I can handle that. But, you know, like the fourth or fifth day, I'm kind of just, you know, getting to that mindset where I'm just like, man, I am ready to be done. I can't keep hiking another day. I just kind of am ready for a change of pace. Yeah, and you came to this realization (laughs) during our road trip, actually. So we were hiking on (laughs) the long trail at first, and then we did a day on, well, two days on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, you were just like, I don't know how people do it. Yeah, after hiking for like six hours at a time, I just, yeah, I just kept thinking, how do people do this for weeks and weeks at a time? Or months like you do on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's something I've always wanted to do, though. Yeah, where does that motivation come from, Andy? I don't know. I feel like it's just <laughs> the challenge. Um, it it draws me in. So just the challenge of, you know, being out there and having to complete this, having that goal of completing the whole trail. Um, it just, I don't know. There's just something, once I started backpacking um, five years ago now, five or six years anyways it was always a dream of mine to do a through hike and I'm starting it off fairly small um the superior hiking trail is only 310 miles so it's a fairly short long distance trail compared to others like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail which are 
kind of more of those um, more well-known long-distance trails. So yeah, the Superior Hiking Trail was actually my first trail I ever backpacked on as well. I did that with a few friends of mine and way back in, let's see, what was that 2014, I want to say? Yeah, so that would make, that would make this year five. Yeah, so yeah, you started it then and there's been like sections you have done, but now planning for this whole process of it, um, how many weeks are you thinking this is going to be here? I'm going to do it in three weeks. Um, it's most common for people to do it between three to four weeks. Um, people can go quicker too because it's relatively flat um, considering like something like the Appalachian Trail where you're hiking mountains. So a seasoned hiker could definitely do it quicker. Um, I'm shooting for for about three weeks, 21 days, so that would mean I would average almost 15 miles a day, which I think is is definitely doable, especially if I set off fairly early and get to the campsite by early evening. Oh yeah, it's definitely doable. Um, I mean, people who do the AT are doing like 20 miles a day, no problem. And yeah, so 15 miles a day is absolutely doable. Yeah, and I'll keep that as more of like, I want to average that. So I mean, there's definitely going to be some days where I want to do a little less and just take it easy. Or if it's, if it's raining, like it's going to be colder. This is... September that I'll be doing it so it will get chillier at night so that's that's the big thing I want to stay dry so I, I don't um, succumb to hypothermia yeah so staying dry and stuff so how like you can pack layers and bring layers but also trying to keep that weight at a certain limit how are you gonna do that because when we go I want to bring like all these layers because I'm gonna get so cold but um, how how do you plan to do that? Well, fortunately, I like the cold, and I feel like I have a bit more of a cold tolerance than you. So, are you I, even gonna bring gloves and a hat? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll bring a thin pair of gloves and a wool stocking cap, and I will have a few other layers as well. But like, I'm gonna try and keep the clothes minimal. Um, you know, so like, I guess my my clothes packing will be about a couple pairs of underwear, a couple pairs of socks, so that I'll have like more of a, a hiking pair of socks and then a sleeping pair of socks. Um, might bring a third pair as well, just so you know. After after a few days, those socks get pretty well. And you oftentimes and, step in in puddles and ponds and get your boot and socks wet. Well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Like that's one thing that I need to be more cautious of now that I'm going to be out there for these 21 days and just not try and walk across rocks to the middle of the creek to filter water. Maybe I'll just take my boots off and filter water so that if my foot does slip in, my boots not soaked for the next couple days. 
Yeah, let's not try to get hypothermia <laughs> while you're out there by yourself. Yeah. But the good thing is, like, most of my layers will be wool. So even if the wool gets wet, which is not desirable, it still has insulating properties when it is wet versus cotton, which cotton will suck all the heat out of you once it gets wet. And it'll accelerate that heat loss. So there's a saying that outdoors people have is that cotton kills and that's the reason why is because some people get it wet or if you're like sweating during the day and then you sit down at camp and the temperature gets down into the 40s I was looking ahead and some some nights it might get down into the 30s even and if you're wearing that sweaty t-shirt that's cotton it's gonna sap all that heat right out of you real quick Oh yeah, I know I've been guilty of that a few times. Being yeah. Freezing. Synthetic materials and wool is really the best, but it can be pricey if you get like the nicer merino wool um, that's not as scratchy. It's a lot thinner fibers, which is some of the stuff that we have and that I'll be bringing along. Or just some synthetic materials too that wick away the moisture from your body because hmm. that's that's the worst is having the moisture right on your body yeah yeah so All yeah that. getting getting back to your question though is uh how am i gonna stay warm well yeah. i'm i'm gonna try and stay off the ground so um i'm gonna be bringing my hammock to camp in and i will be using an under quilt which is it's basically like a sleeping bag that wraps around the outside of your hammock on the bottom side so that it keeps your backside warm and it goes on the outside so that when you do get into the hammock you're not squishing down like a traditional sleeping bag um, and when you squish something down that has it's supposed to be kind of um, poofed up to keep that keep keep the warmth, keep the ins insulation. Well, once you compress that, it loses all its insulating properties. So that's why, even with the sleeping bag in a hammock, but no underquilt, your backside's still gonna get pretty cold. Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember when we got that underquilt. It was a game changer. Yeah. when one hammock camping made a made a ton of difference. So I'm going to do that. I do not have a top quilt. A top quilt would be nice, but I think I'm I'm going to sacrifice the weight a little bit and bring my sleeping bag. I thought about bringing, we have these like packable down blankets that are pretty light. But they're so thin. <laughs> they're, they are pretty thin and they just don't have like a good, they don't have a foot box. So I can't like put my feet in it and, you know, they would be, they would come out underneath the blanket all the time, you know. So, like, that's that's the nice thing about my sleeping bag is I can just, I'll open it up and just kind of use it more as a blanket, but it's still got that little foot box area, so my feet aren't going to slide out in the middle of the night, and they'll, they'll be warm. Yeah, that's um, necessary when you're sleeping out there. Yeah. But so, um, besides changing out the tent for the hammock, what else are you going to eliminate for this through hike that we typically bring? Because we typically bring a lot of stuff backpacking. They're usually 35 pounds, 30 to 35 pounds, our packs are, I would say. Yeah. So, well, 
let's just backtrack back to the hammock setup quick. Um, so I'll have the hammock and then the underquilt and then the sleeping bag as my covers. And then I will also have a tent, uh, tarp that goes over the hammock strung between the same trees. Are you going to hang that up every night? Yeah. I'll hang it up every night. I don't know if I will necessarily put it out, but I'll string it between the trees just in case it does rain. But the nice thing about having it up, too, is it kind of traps in some of that heat. Um, It doesn't let it escape, so it keeps it a little bit warmer. keeps a little bit of a wind block, too, so... That'll be nice. Plus, you know, like, I'm going to string it up just in case it rains. Um, hopefully it doesn't rain too much. So that'll be my my shelter setup every night. And it should be quick to set up and take down. And it packs down a little bit more than a tent does, too. So it'll be a little bit of a space saver, I think. Um, so then we got the hammock, the shelter set up. Um, and then going to like cooking stuff. Um, well, we always bring this pan. Well, it's a, it's really like a pot that has a lid on it that latches down. So you can kind of like, you can put stuff in it and then latch the lid down and then throw it in your pack. And it, it's nice for like the little things to keep it organized. Yeah, Cause it's like kind of a large pot. Not too large. It's not but... too bad, but it's, yeah, it's maybe like a, I don't know, a quart? I don't know. Yeah. So, I'm not bringing that, because I don't need to cook for anybody other than myself. So, I'm just bringing a stainless steel cup. It holds two cups worth of liquid. Um, so, that'll be plenty for me, because that's the perfect amount for mountain house meals which i'm bringing for dinners so those just need two cups of boiling water throw it in the pack no cleanup that's nice because it just rehydrates within the pack itself um so that's all i'm bringing to really cook with is that cup um then i'm going to be bringing my backpacking stove so that is very small a little canister of fuel, and then my spork. So that's the the cookware, the kitchen setup. Um, the other things I'm bringing. How will about be... any saws? Are you bringing any saws? Any no. hatchets? No, I usually bring a saw, but I figured to save weight, I'm not gonna bring my Sven saw, which is actually a great backpacking saw, which we always bring. It becomes very compact, and it's fairly lightweight for a saw. Um, But I figure if I'm going to do fires, I'll just break branches or, you know, let the log burn in half and then, yeah, rearrange on the fire as necessary. But I'm guessing I'm probably not going to be having too many fires just because I'll be exhausted and just want to rest in the hammock. Yeah, after hiking so long all day, huh? I'm not going to bring any other amenities like the lantern that we sometimes bring because I'll have my headlamp. That's all I'll need. I'm going to try and keep it 
as minimal as possible. I'll bring the first aid, obviously. I'll bring bear spray, so Sarah is at ease. Um, I'll have my food then. I'll bring a Nalgene water bottle. Just one? Just one water bottle. bottle. Save on weight. There's no need to bring two, really, because I can only drink from one. (laughs) Um, I'll bring my water filter. I'm going to bring... I was debating this as I have a pump one that you screw on top of the Nalgene bottle. And then you pump um, the water into it. So there's a hose that goes into the, the water source, the lake, the creek, whatever that may be. And it pumps it from that hose into the water bottle where the, the filter is just right attached to the water bottle on the top there. And that one's great for like on the go. It's just a little bit of work to pump that and I feel like I'm going to bring the gravity filter instead Um, so the gravity filter what it is the one that we have is the platypus gravity filter and it's a 4 liter so I can filter 4 liters at a time and it's 2 bags with a hose that has a filter on it that goes between the 2 bags so you fill up 1 bag which is called the dirty bag And that's got your unfiltered water. And then you hang that up. And then you have the hose down. And then further down you have the clean water bag. And then you just let gravity pull that water down and let it flow through that filter. And it fills up the clean water bag. So I think I'm going to do that just because I will have my Nalgene bottle in the morning. Um, Then I can just, in the afternoon, fill up that gravity filter and I'll have enough for dinner and I'll have enough for the next morning's oatmeal and stuff like that. Yeah, speaking of mornings, um, you're doing oatmeal. Are you even going to do coffee like we normally do? Is that a plan or no? Uh, I'm not. I'm neglecting the coffee just because I don't think it's a necessity. Um, I just think it's, it, it is good to have in the mornings, but I see it as more of a luxury. Like it's just going to keep me sitting at camp longer when I could be on the trail. Cause I'll be sitting there sipping on my coffee. Um, you'd the only just be up and going, huh? Yeah. Cause once I get up go. and go, I'll go. Um, that's the thing I noticed too, is when, when we're at camp, usually and we have coffee going like my coffee half the time gets cold because I'm doing so many other things like putting the tent away or putting um you know boiling water for oatmeal and eating my oatmeal and so I I feel like I just wouldn't pay attention to the coffee and by the time I am ready to drink it I'm ready to go hike so I'm just gonna leave it at home Leave the coffee at home. Okay. Yeah, and if I do get the caffeine um, withdrawal, well, I'll just have to wait the next resupply, which my resupplies are going to be every three to four days. How did you even plan resupplies? Like, how how did you decide that? So the resupply, um, so you're... 
So for those that don't know, is when you through hike, you have to resupply your food every so often or other things like fuel, because um, you're not going to be carrying all of your stuff, um, especially food, for your whole trip, because that would just that would be insane. Like twenty meals. That's a lot of food weight. Yes, twenty days worth of meals. Yeah, that would fill up your backpack basically. <laughs> but anyways. What you do is you find towns along the way that you can either drop off a box or ship a box to that has your meals until you can get to the next town or your whatever, like maybe you need an extra lighter or extra batteries for your headlamp well you that's weight that you don't need to carry but you can throw it in a resupply box and you know at some point you're going to need that stuff so yeah there's a bit of planning that it's involved because you have to understand how far away from the trails or the uh towns are how uh how far each town is from each other um and then just being able to plan out, okay, well, if I go, you know, if I'm trying to average 15 miles a day, well, if I go to a town that's 60 miles from the last town, I got to, you know, keep with me then four days worth of food. Yeah, because if you don't, then you're um, going to be stuck for probably a whole day without food. Yeah. And that can happen, and people do go through that. So we'll see if that happens. And what I did decide, though, is, I mean, being in towns, that's that's the um, good thing here, is that each place I resupply will be a town that has a grocery store or convenience store at least. So if I do find out that, okay, what I packed this last time wasn't enough I can at least go and supplement my resupply by adding some more things from that convenience store or grocery store so I'm not too worried about um, the resupplies I would rather underpack my boxes um, and have to buy food in each town too than to overpack and just be carrying a ton of extra food weight or having to throw that food because, you know, I have too much on me already. Yeah, that uh, definitely makes sense. You don't want to carry too much weight, but me, on the other hand, would just be fearful of running out of food. <laughs> yeah, and my thought, too, is, though, that, you know, there are trail angels out there, so... There may be that random person that you run across that you might be a little low on food and you're debating whether or not you're going to make it to your next resupply without running out. And this person might offer you a little snack of theirs. That's true. We did have our chance to be trail angels to people on the Superior Trail a couple years ago. So hopefully someone decides to pay that back when you're out there. Yeah, and I mean... You think about it, people going out there for a weekend are, I mean, we've been guilty of it, pack way too much food. Yeah. And 
there's plenty of people willing to share out there. So, and worst comes to worst, I just have to, you know, survive on a handful of almonds until the next day and get into town and gorge on some pizza or something. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yes. I think, I think my biggest fear with you going out is um, getting injured out there by yourself. Because, you know, when you're with someone, um, that other person could run and go grab help if someone were to be injured. But if you're alone and injured, how, how are you going to handle that? Well, first off, my hope is that I will not get injured. Well, absolutely. So, um, I think prevention is the best way to deal with it. Is just like, you know, taking your time. Don't push yourself too hard. Because um, I think that's when most people are the most susceptible to injury is when they want to just get those extra five miles in that day, but their body's not feeling up to it. Um, or that, you know, they're a little low on energy, but are trying to do this very hard terrain. Mm -hmm. And then Um, dehydration can kick in. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be my number one thing is just like, just take my time and be cognizant of what I'm doing. Um, and then the other things are too, I mean, I'm carrying a first aid kit so if I have to use that I know how to use everything in it um, so that's good um, I also have a Garmin inReach GPS which also it's got two way communication and an SOS button so if anything major happened where I, I could not get out on my own because my injury was so bad that I would I would use that SOS button and help would be on the way. So I think that's the biggest things. I, and I'll be posting to our Facebook page, Hiking Through Life, um, from that Garmin inReach. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to do it every day or how that's going to work, but yeah, I'll at least be in communication so people are aware of my whereabouts and all of that. Yeah, and up on the Superior Trail, at least, there's plenty of places where you can get signal. Yeah, that's true. You can get cell phone signal a lot of places. And also, like, if you don't have cell phone signal, there's a number of times where calling 911 without a cell phone signal works. So just keep that in mind, too. I mean, for anybody. So, I mean, if I did not have that Garmin inReach or if it died or something, I got the cell phone as a backup. Um, yeah, and then the other thing, too, is, I mean, you mentioned there's... The, it, the Superior Trail is pretty well-traveled, especially on the weekends. Especially so, in the fall. I think that I'll be running across a number of people. Um, the... The further north you go on it, the the less and less people you'll see. And you're going to be starting on the north? So yes, I'm going to be starting north and going southbound. 
Um, so that'll be, I'll be running into more and more people along the way, I think. So, um, when you start north, what, where exactly is that starting point? That starting point is, um, it is the 270 degree overlook, which is the northern terminus of the trail. So you actually have to park at the um, Otter Trail Road. I believe that is what it's called. And there, so there's a trailhead right there, and it's the last parking area. And then you have to hike about a mile and a half to this terminus, and then basically back. So... I could skip it, but that would be cheating. I wouldn't actually be through hiking. So I'm going to, when Sarah drops me off, go do that. You'll probably come with me anyways. Yep. And then come back to the car and I'll be on my way south then. And then you'll be heading I'll back be here to. I'll be on my to, way to 35W. <laughs> you'll be heading back to home so you can go back to school. Go back to teaching. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it starts, and then it ends at Jay Cook State Park, which is south of Duluth, Minnesota. And the that's the that's the full through hike. Um, there's another version of the through hike that's called the traditional through hike, and it skips Duluth and Jay Cook, so it's it's shorter. It's about I want to say about forty miles shorter. And so it stops once you get to Duluth. So you're not hiking through the town or um, further south. But I don't want to do that. I want to do the whole thing. Got to do the whole thing. Can't miss Duluth and, like, maybe yeah. a beer. The only unfortunate thing, though, is once you hit Duluth, there's no free campsites um, along the trail. So that's a bummer because... The rest of the trail, it's all dispersed free campsites along the trail every couple of miles almost. Hmm, yeah, so that's going to present some challenges, but at least with the hammock, you can kind of just hang it up along the trail somewhere. Or... You're not supposed to, but <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some paid campsites that you can do. Um, there's some hotels. But I might find a couple trees too. Who knows? Oh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this goes, but maybe I'll find a college party to crash one night while I'm in Duluth. That could happen too. Just set my hammock up outside a frat. <laughs> yeah, you, you might look like a college student by the time you get there. Not showered and grungy. I think that's how lots of college students might look. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah. So, um, are you going to be uh, doing some daily podcast, podcast updates so people can stay in the loop? Yeah, I will definitely be doing... Um, podcast updates I don't know how often I'll be able to post it because I, I will need a cell phone signal 
to post them, but I'll be recording them daily for sure. Um, and I might be doing a little bit of a vlog too, so a video. Um, we'll see, because I'm going to bring the GoPro and I'll have my phone. And at the very least, I'll be doing the podcast, so... So make sure that you guys follow along on Andy's journey and um, he'll definitely keep you updated. And I'll keep you guys updated too. I'll be posting too as, as I hear from him. So he'll be starting that out next week and thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.